Bill Shonley passed away. I don't even know who that is. Are you familiar with the term Rip City? Yes. He coined that term. Really? Yeah, he did announcements for the Trailblazers games between like 1970 and 98. Oh. And then he was like hired as just like a representative for the team because he's beloved in the city. I, I don't know why the Blazers are so beloved. It's not like they win a lot. Uh -uh. Of course, now that I said that, they'll probably like win the championship this year. But they've only won one championship, and it was in 77. Mm -hmm. And the next year, this is the, the way the story was told to me. They had the opportunity. And what do I know, right? This yeah. is the way I heard it. I don't follow sports. So if I seem to I don't know, either. Then that's how I seem but I think it was the next year they had the opportunity to get Michael Jordan like right out of <clears> high school. <throat> mm -hmm. And they decided to go for Sam Bowie, uh -huh. who was this player who had already had a knee injury. Oh, wow. Um, I don't get the love for the Trailblazers in the city. I don't get the love for any sports team because sports teams, one, players come and go. But two, teams aren't loyal to a city. They're only there... Because that's the best offer they can get for tax issues and for getting the people to pay for a stadium to be built. Oh, you're going to get a lot of uh, sports fans very upset. <laughs> uh, F them. <laughs> I'd say the other word, but Alana doesn't like that. And isn't it crazy, babes, that taxpayers have to... Why is it, babes, uh -huh. that politicians don't go after sports teams for having cities pay for the building of stadiums but they'll always go after these social programs but no one will ever talk about we can't have these sports teams just getting free stadiums i don't know i i don't keep up with that stuff really yeah i i, I have no idea for years the rationale was back in the 90s is if you build these sports arenas it's gonna uplift the city financially but I think they've done studies since then that have proven that those aren't that that's not really true. Like a lot of these arenas are safe haven for crimes, apparently, and uh, it doesn't really uplift the city the way you think it would. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Uh, I am not an Obama fan. One of the things he 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 did some good things. He was really good on science, and there's a few other things. But overall, I don't think he was that good. But one of the things he did do that I thought was, come on, dude, yeah. you're the president. Don't make yourself look like a complete noob, mm -hmm. was when Chicago mm -hmm. wanted to get the Olympics and Obama, like, made this speech or a video trying to convince the Olympic Committee to go to Chicago. Now, meanwhile, uh -huh. apparently when the Olympics come to a city... yeah. It displaces a lot of marginalized people because they tear down low-income housing because they don't want the, the world who's looking on that city to think of this as a poor town. So a lot of, a lot of poor people get displaced because of Olympics. And it doesn't really help the economy overall because, yes, you get tourism for that, you know, month or two that the olympics are going on or maybe it's just two weeks i don't know the olympics but you have to build so many different things and make so many concessions that it really isn't a financial gain for the city that hosts the olympics but obama is a sports fan and sports thing sports fans i've noticed babes mm -hmm. they're weird in the fact that they don't 
they do, when they look at a sport or a team that they love, it's yeah. all about that team, and they're willing to look over so many different factors that make sense. What I don't understand is when somebody is really into sports, and I've known people like this, yeah. if their team loses, their day is completely ruined. They're, like, if their team loses, whatever it is. Um, I've I've met people that are absolute absolute sports fans, and um, it's uh, it's craziness. Um, yeah, I don't. You know, I mean, if I mean, I I was happy when, and I, and I wasn't really into sports either, but I was, um, I was happy when the the Seahawks made the Super Bowl, um, and I don't, I wasn't really keeping up with how the Seattle Seahawks was doing, and I think back then they weren't doing so good, mm. and they made the Super Bowl, and they were able to participate, and I was happy, but I wasn't like ecstatically happy to the point to where if they didn't win i was going to be upset yeah and to me it's not your team unless you work for the team or you have in the past exactly it's just your favorite team but even your favorite team can fail you well they do all all the time they do i mean you may like different players on the team for sure but some people if their team loses it's over it's it's like their day is pretty much over it's, you know, they're angry all day or they're mean all day and whatever it is. And I don't know. I don't, I don't get it either. Um, have you met people like that? Are you kidding me? Half the people I know are like that. Wow. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but my family was very into the Blazers, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I don't talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, that's not the reason. Uh, the reason is I'm right and they're wrong. But, my goodness. And I'm talking about my dad's side of the family. But when I, no, but all jokes aside, my family on my dad's side was very, very into the Blazers. And even as a kid, I thought to myself, yeah, but this team loses all the time. Do you guys know any of the players on the team? Why do you have to be into the Blazers just because you live in the same city as them? Well, think about this, Bubs. I mean, you may not think that that team is really good, but a lot of people root for the underdogs. I hear you. But. Uh, but then I. I was going to say, I hear you, but. There's always a but. Well, okay, by that logic then. Uh, why should they ever win a game? Because you don't want them to ever lose their underdog status. So. That's not what I meant. I, I know what you meant, but and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there, I don't know. There's there's difference between rooting for the underdogs and rooting for a sports team where the players are super rich and, you know, they're, they're doing all right. Like Paul Allen owned the Blazers. Who, and he was worth like $40 billion at the time of his death. So I don't know how underdog the Blazers really were. I don't know, but you you make a lot of assumptions because you're assuming... Like, what was I assuming? Uh, that they... I don't know. I don't know how rich they are, really. I don't know. Look, obviously there's a wealth disparity amongst players, but... The the top people on the at the Blazers organization, I'm sure, make a good living. I think anybody that's in the uh, what 
the Blazers are a basketball team. I keep thinking. Yeah. Um. The the people that are in the uh, the NBA, the NFL, they're making a lot more money than some people are, for sure. The, the NFL people I have more sympathy for just because a lot of them get to mention their twenties, and we're not allowed to talk about it. But the NBA, I have less. You know, I, I'm not saying I as individuals, but as a whole, I don't really care that much about what happens to NBA players after they retire. And and it, by the way, it was a big news story like a couple months ago that we might be getting a WNBA team here. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like nobody cares about the WNBA, at least until they arrested your girl, Brittany Griner. And then suddenly well, they still everybody do. They still it. do. I mean, women, women, I went to a WNBA game. It was kind of fun. Were there a lot of people there? Yeah, there was. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of people... Uh, they had these uh, little plastic things called Bam Bams. Okay. And uh, a lot of people were kind of like, you know, waving them around and in support of the team. It, it was a fun game to watch. Um, I can't remember if I was listening to headphones because there were, you know, um, sometimes you hear uh, somebody um, announcing the game. Yeah. I So when I was in high school, we had our football games in the fall. And I, I don't know who the announcer was, but the announcer for our high school football game was really fun. Nice. Um, I, of course, was in the in the band and we were the entertainment. And I was that was a lot of fun to do because um, not only did I get out of class early for the pep rally, uh, of course, that was uh, to get us ready for the football game. <laughs> um, but I um, had a fun time uh, seeing my... Um, my friends there and uh, people in the student body supporting our football team. Maybe I would be more into sports if my school, uh, high school, had a football team or a basketball team. But we were we were very non-sports school. Yeah, you're an artsy school. Yeah. Um, and so and in some ways, I kind of wish that I went to performance ice, uh, arts high school, but a performing arts high school, but. Uh, you know, I went to a public school for three years and, um, I, I took pride in, you know, being a part of the game, even if I wasn't really into football anyway, mm. but to support my high school football game, uh, my high school football team and the cheerleaders and the concession stands, uh, you know, and, and, and playing for the halftime show, uh, I, I feel like I was a part of it. Yeah, I think even Bernie Sanders is like a basketball fan. So this obsession with sports is even something that's per- pervasive on the left too. Like every, I, yes. I it's just a, an aspect of society I just don't get. It's an American pastime. Now, having said that, I do like some boxing. Yeah, but that's to me, individual sports are different than team sports. Yeah, my my family likes watching you know like uh, boxing with you know like when Manny Pacquiao was. Uh, in was still boxing because yep. I think he retired. He was um, really good. Yes, uh, you know Floyd Mayweather, Mike Tyson, all the they like watching boxing once in a while. And they like basketball and football, but I don't think. Well, I think some of them may be really big sports fans, but I don't think they take it to the extreme. I don't like how every b- boxing fan it seems like likes to dog on Floyd Mayweather. Because they say that he's not an exciting player, 
because he's more technical, mm-hmm. right? But he's he's broken a lot of records. He's super successful. He's a strong person, I heard. Strong guy. Well, there most people in boxing are, but it's not just that he's strong. He knows how to play the game. And maybe he's arrogant in real life. I've heard that. But if you're just going to hate on him because of the way he plays the game, I don't like that. Because he's good at what he does. He's 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 arguably the best. So... And maybe he is the best if you look at his records. Um, so I I, I I have an issue with that. I can't remember who he knocked out, but I remember my uncles were watching a boxing match with Floyd May- Mayweather, and he knocked somebody out like just like that. Yeah. And I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. It was really, really quick, too. Nice. The match was over. It sounded like... Well, go on. I think if I remember it correctly, because I don't watch boxing much. Nice. Yeah. Well, good. I heard they like that in Australia. That's good. Yeah. I would go to a boxing match. Yes. I think that would be a lot of fun. And very bloody. Yep. Maybe we'd run into Paul Hogan. Uh, no. He was into the pubs. In the in the movie, anyway. In the movie. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. We will. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I want to go to the boxing, do a boxing match. It's not for me. Uh-oh. Basketball games are fun. Football games are fun, but and baseball games too. I've been to um, some Mariners games and they were fun. Nice, but uh, not a boxing match. I think I'll stay away from the blood. Oh, good. Good. I heard it gets really, really dangerous with um, MMA fighting. Yeah. Really, really dangerous. Like someone could die. Yeah. No thanks. Oh. Don't want to do that. Oh. I think MMA is like the one sport that liberals aren't supposed to say they like. Because I notice whenever I bring it up around other libs, everybody gets silent. Really? Yeah. Maybe that's just me, though. It might be just you. I don't think it's political. Okay, good. Because I do like some MMA. I don't watch it a lot, but what I've seen of it, I've enjoyed. It's pretty violent. It yeah. seems like... It, I heard it was really violent. I like violent stuff sometimes. Uh-oh. Apparently you do. Well, good. When it doesn't involve you... It's going to be a little bit violent. Yeah, Jay, whoa. As far as like sports and movies goes, I'm fine with it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. Sorry, babes. I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, oh, you were about to say something. I was? I thought you were. I don't think so. I guess I was wrong. I started reading a book today by Russell Banks, mm-hmm. who I guess is an author that passed away a couple weeks ago. On YouTube this week, I saw an interview that Amy Goodman did with him for Democracy Now! Uh-huh. And they were talking about a book, what is it, the um, uh, something like The Lost Memory of Skin. Or is it The Lost Skin? The Memory of Lost Skin, you said? I thought it was The Lost Memory of Skin. I don't know. That's what you said earlier. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. It's one of those things. And it's basically, I kind of like it. It's, I don't know if it's Amy Goodman good. You know what I mean? I don't know. I never read any of her books. Well, what I mean by that is I don't know if it's good enough for Amy Goodman to have him on the show, on her show. Mm -hmm. But the basic story so far is it's about this guy who's 22. And and this is a fictional story. Yes. He calls himself the kid. He lives in Florida and he is a sex offender, but it's like a technicality thing. 
but because he was a sex offender, he can't work at a school or certain places where kids gather. So he's basically homeless. Mm -hmm. And it's about what goes on in his adventures through life and the people he meets. It's okay. It's not blowing me away so far. Hmm. What do you think of what I said? It's a weird concept, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how far I could go with that, though. Yeah, I don't have sympathy for sex offenders. I now, ha- having said that, I do not. There are some gray areas. So, like, if somebody has sex on the beach and it's filmed and they get into trouble for that, but it's like late at night and there's nobody else around. That's something I think that's probably going to be a sexual offense. If they're adults, though. What do you mean? If they're having sex with adults? No, 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 no. If there's two adults having sex. Yeah, I don't think that's... And it's, and it's consensual and it's filmed. Yeah, I don't think that that should be considered a sexual offense. I don't know why it would. I mean, people people are weird like that. I I know because there was one time when we went to the cottages I told you about. Mm-hmm. In a, a place in Hawaii called Barber's Point. Yeah. And we were really close to the beach. And um, there was a couple having sex out in the open on the beach. And I thought it was gross, but we got out of there and they were doing their thing, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people do weird stuff like that all the time. I, I It's not my thing, but if they want to be out in the open open and film it i guess it's you know that's it's weird but you know whatever yeah i have a friend of mine and this was a couple years ago before the pandemic he went to what was it mount Tabor park yes on a sunday i remember you told me the story yeah and his dad was visiting town and his dad is like a super conservative mormon my friend is not a mormon and so that's just to give you a little bit of background they're going around the park they smell weed everywhere and they run up against this couple who I guess is in their early 20s and they're just doing it in front of everybody. Some people are weird like that. They're weird like that. That's weird. I don't know if I'd call that a sexual offense. It's, it's not if the two people are consensual. It's, you know, it, it may be gross to some, but it's not. I don't know if it's illegal. I don't think it's illegal unless you're, like, doing that in front of a cop or something. I don't know. I think it technically is illegal. Is it? I think illegal? so. I don't know. I don't know what the ramifications are about that. I know I know that there are some public places where it is illegal at, right? Yeah. But most people have had sex in public. So Most? Yeah. Oh, I have. I'm, I I know you have. You told me this that. This was okay. way back in the day, babes. Nobody, uh, nobody should be listening to this. I <laughs> know. <laughs> no one I know should be listening to that. Anyway, uh, I know the story. I'm not going to say it here. It happened more than once. But, ah, oh, what? what? What's that for? Hey, Bob, we're not going yet again. No, we're not. Jay was not in your mood, Bob. No. I've heard too many stories about that. Oh, my god. Bye-bye. Give me a kiss. No. Oh, why not? No. Okay, so we're having a tickle. No. Because you started one. Mm. Or you could give me a kiss and we could end the tickle war before it escalates. <laughs> So, we need to think about what crimes we charge people with. Um, mm-hmm. If it's having sex in public, maybe that's like a misdemeanor, but I don't think you should go to jail. I think you have to look at 
you know, where it is and when it happened. Yeah. It can't just be like a random, you know, I think it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, people do it anyway, even though I think it's weird. But you also think about like, is it outside of a school where kids uh, play yeah. like on a playground during the day? That that should be illegal. Um, is it in a classroom? Uh, and is it, is it with a, with the, with the, um, between a teacher and a minor? That's illegal. Exactly. So we have, we have to to look at this stuff. Look at, look at the, um, ramifications. And so far in the book, I don't know why the kid was in jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the implication I'm getting is it was for something minor, Hmm. but it just happened to fall under the purview of sex crimes. I, and that's a weird thing, right? So if you can arrest somebody mm-hmm. for like a minor sex crime and then they have this record, but then you can release somebody who's like a, a serial rapist, like your friend Richard Gilmore. He's not my friend. I, I don't even was... know who that guy is. Oh. That is just very, very, you can't, you can't release somebody like that. Yeah, they it's, did. I know. It's insane. Uh-huh. And then he's going to kill somebody. I don't know. That I don't know. Okay. But I would um, not release that's it. That's just like, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but um, I found some episodes of a show called Our America with Lisa Ling, which was on the OWN network. Yeah. And she did um, a show on sex offenders, and there was a guy that specialized in finding housing for sex offenders. And there were also some sex offenders that were... Um, confined to the woods for most of the day because they were not allowed to live in regular housing but there was a guy who was married and had a child which i thought that was kind of strange anyway um but he would live in the woods during the day and then he would go into the house and maybe get something to eat and um for breakfast and take a shower in the morning and that's the only time that he was allowed in the house. That's super weird. Um, also, too, um, there was a sex offender in the show that had to have an ankle monitor. And he was caught and had to get sent back to, to uh, jail. And I forgot what that was. I forgot what he did, but um, he was caught again. Um, so the, the sex offender thing is 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 very strange to me. Um. There were, you know, there were concerns about uh, families in neighborhoods um, where sex offenders wanted to move to. And I get that. I yeah. get that. I, I wholeheartedly get that. They should not be around kids at all. They shouldn't be living close to schools or playgrounds or parks. Um, it's a it's a tricky thing. And it's also, we have a weird relationship to sex in this country and puritanicalism, right? So we'll say stuff like um, uh, sexual crimes are bad and the, the worst are crimes against children. By the way, I believe that. But at the same time, a lot of families would choose to look the other way if somebody in their family is molesting a child, right? And... We have these weird laws to make sure that rapists get out of prison sooner. And so it's, I, I never, I, we have such a bizarre relationship. I think, to 
I think that stuff unless I think the I mean that's why our justice system is so corrupt because there are some states um like Hawaii that have a very loose um sex crime policy. Mm. Um I don't I I can't remember what it was but when I heard it I thought it was ridiculous. And um they're not taken seriously. Um sex crimes don't seem to be taken seriously in some states. Um you know it's you know now you hear uh now you hear stories about um uh teenage girls being raped in in classrooms by teenage boys and 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 the school administration doesn't do anything about it. Oh wow. Or bathrooms like 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 there was a story and I for, I think it might have been in um Loudoun County, Virginia. I think it was there was a a a boy who was who claimed to be transitioning as a girl and he rapes another girl in the bathroom. Wow. And they looked the other way and a lot of people were calling the school um that school administration out and saying, "Why did you look the other way?" And I think it happened twice to two different girls. That's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know anything about this story. I'm just uh, um I think it happened twice. I I I know it shouldn't have happened in the in the first place. But um they were asking questions like why did you not do anything? Why did you just let this this um this boy who thought who thinks he's a girl um be allowed in the same bathroom as another girl and it it happened um it it, it, it's just terrible stuff yeah and you wonder if you weren't so puritanical in other ways if this couldn't have been avoided so i heard a rumor that in austin is like the only city in america where a woman can walk around topless i personally think babes that somebody should be able to walk around naked if they want now i'm not going to do it because i i I think people should have the rights, and I also think that's a little bit weird, too. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, an argument could be made, well, for thousands of years, we walked around naked, we're born naked, and this is just uh, our human bodies, and everybody has one. Yeah, and but then you also have to think about, you also have to think about the exposing, and, you know, and a lot of, and, and I, don't, I don't know of any women that have been convicted of this, but um, men have gotten in trouble for exposing themselves to children. Yeah. Which is, is really horrible. Um, but I think that, and this is an unpopular way of thinking. Oh. What? Go ahead. No, 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 no. I think a lot of the people who say that they should be naked all the time, they're not putting into consideration that the ones who are the victims in all of these um, sexual revolution kinds of things are the kids. It's not that the, it's not so much that, I mean, yes, the adults want to do what they want to, but the kids are the ones that are around for the ride. And they're the ones that, that are the most effective. In some ways, I agree with you. Like when you hear about people who have 10 wives uh-huh. and they don't pay any attention to their kids and everybody's like free love on a hippie commune. Yes. Those kids suffer because their parents are hippie assholes. But at the same point, if somebody just wants to walk around naked, it's not my jam. But I say let them do it. 
But if they're doing it and they have kids, right? Yeah. The the kids are the ones that are suffering because if they hear around town that, oh, my mom was walking naked um, and she was arrested or my dad decided to walk naked on the max and everybody was afraid. Yeah. They're affected by this. So, yes, it's it's you know, it's different if you're single, but if you have kids there, then that, that you're bringing, not just, uh, yourself into it, but if you're married and you have more than one child, that's another thing to think about too. And, and also, um, but I don't think a lot of adults want to see a person fully naked, um, romping around in daylight. And you know, if it was done here in Portland, everybody would be naked just to show solidarity with indigenous people. But at the same point... Yeah, with the BIPOC people. Yeah. I do kind of feel like if I'm pro-freedom, I got to be pro somebody to have this right. Yeah, but freedom doesn't always mean doing that kind of stuff either but because it's somebody because somebody is going to be affected by it. You, you can't just think well i want to do this for me but you also have to think about well who else is going to be affected by it is it going to affect anybody else and yes it will it'll affect the adults on the transportation you're taking it'll affect um the people in that uh, that person's apartment building if they live in an apartment um it's going to affect a lot of people. It's just something to think about. Okay. I could make the argument about every freedom is going to affect somebody else. And I, and again, this isn't like, oh, I, I have to have this where we can all be naked because I don't want it. But I'm just saying it's a thought I mean, exercise. Maybe I should be. In I mean, if somebody wants to be naked in their home, there's nothing anybody can do about it because it's their home. Oh. Right. But you have to think about, well, when you get out of your home, um, you're getting out into the community and even though uh america and 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 around north america we are um an individualistic society you also have to think about yeah we're an individualistic society but in some ways things are going to affect the people around us yeah i do think a lot of the pushback we see in places like here in portland and other places uh during the pandemic is a lot of it goes back to just there's so much oppression in our society that it, this stuff has been building up for a while. And it's sort of like a kettle pot and things have just been boiling over. That doesn't mean I agree with everything, but I do kind of like understand the mentality of let's take things as far as we can. Um, but I, I don't have any power, so I guess we'll see. Well, I heard about an interesting argument where I think you are actually going to take the the side of the liberal. Really? Uh, yes. And I know Over conservative. Don't. So check this out. And it's somebody we both don't like, mm. Beto O'Rourke, mm. going after somebody you probably really like, Greg Abbott. I don't know that I like him. I think he's a rhino, but oh. I, I can't, I, I don't know the man. Um, I think that there are some policies he's strong on and there's some policies that I wish he was. Your mom's like on. a huge Greg no, Abbott. No, she's not. I heard that. She never talked about Greg Abbott. Okay, but you know that rumor that I heard. I know, but it's not true. Okay. She didn't talk about Greg Abbott because I made, I and I made sure I stopped it before anything happened because she didn't know the guy. The guy didn't know her. I thought it was not um, a good time to talk about it. Nice, nice. No, it wasn't Greg Abbott. I don't know what. So here's what happened. Beto O'Rourke called out 
Greg Ab one of Greg Abbott's donors. Uh, because there was some, some rich billionaire who donated a million dollars to um Greg Abbott's campaign, and this person like has a big stake in the power companies out in Texas and was saying, you know, isn't it awful that Greg Abbott won't do anything because you know, uh, uh, any regulations against the power companies. And one of the reasons is because this guy donated a million dollars to his campaign. And it's on the records that that guy didn't donate that much money to Greg Abbott's campaign. And that guy is now suing um, Beto O'Rourke, saying that he doesn't have the right to say that in public and that that's slander. Okay. I don't, I've never heard this story before. I think the whole thing is ridiculous. I think... Both people are ridiculous, to tell you the truth. Well, okay, but we can separate that better or work is ridiculous normally versus in this case, he could be right. Um, In this case, he could be right. I don't know the entire story. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Because if we start saying it's slander to say that somebody donated money to somebody's campaign and that's the reason we can't get laws passed then what's that going to do for investigative journalism in this country? Yeah, slant, slander is different than, I mean, that that when I think of slander, it's actually talking directly about, you know, attacking the person's personality or attacking um, the person's lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. I think that to me is slander rather than um, talking about political donations or something. It seems like billionaires are like super sensitive. Like, they know that they're doing a grift, and they just don't want that grift to end. Uh, I don't know that it's, uh, well, maybe some billionaires, yes. Um, they seem very elitist, and they do seem like grifters, don't they? Yeah. So, here's something that I've been trying to crystallize in my mind for a long, long time. And I still don't have an answer to it. Right-wing people love to say that the libs are all snowflakes, and we cry all the time. Yes, it's true. And but I, I will I will I will top that off by saying this and I've mentioned It's nice this. to finish the thought, but go ahead. What? I would like to finish the thought at some point, but go ahead. Say go, no, we go finish your thought first and then I'll continue. Okay. And as a lefty, I've noticed a lot of hypocrisy uh, from right wing and right wing people about this right i've noticed a lot of crybabies on the right who get triggered at the most simplest thing and we've also seen it with billionaires getting triggered and billionaires who have resources to have access to everything you could ever want in this country get triggered and start crying and i'm wondering if just we as a society are so traumatized that we need to just like come together and have a talk about how do we deal with some of these traumas that we're going through. Well, I don't know if it's, I think that we have been blessed with a lot of abundance in our yeah. country. We don't know what it's like to live in a third world country, like part like um, Africa, um, where you have to learn how to ration your food. You have to go to the river to get water. If you are able to, um, you don't know where you're getting your next meal from. Some places in India are very poor. Mm -hmm. Some places in the Philippines are very poor. We do not know what it is to be uncomfortable in some ways. We don't know what it is to um, not have a lot. 
because we do have a lot. And instead of being thankful and grateful for what we have, there are people that are just like, you know, yeah. I, you know, like uh, people that either have never, um, have never experienced failure, have never experienced trauma, have never experienced hardship. And people have experienced that kind of thing. But we experience it differently than a beggar in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, so, so unless you actually traveled the country or you were a missionary for several years in other countries or you've lived in a different country, um, I mean, I've, I've, li- I've only been to the Philippines for a month. And even I understand after being there for that month, how, how good we have it here. We really do. Yeah, we do. Um, people complain about their an air conditioning not working. What about the people that don't have that way of um, cooling off their house and they have to, and they're busy thinking about what are they going to eat that day? Now, the the flip side of that coin is, yes, we have a good, but we could always have a better and we should strive for that. And part of that does require complaining when we see things, even if it's as little as an air conditioning thing. And by the way, in some cases, it's not so little. So when we have these record heat waves and you don't have air conditioning, some people have died because of that. So Yeah, that's true. We do. In some ways, we do have to um, speak up speak up about it. But at the same time, um, I don't think um, there are some people that uh, you know, want what they want, what they want, when they want it. And there are other people that are willing to um, give of themselves and, and be um, a little bit more generous with their time and their money and their um, possessions. So it's some things to think about. See, I and I think this is the reason why I doubt the existence of heaven, but could go with the existence of a God is because it seems like everybody here is just dealing with some intense trauma and can never get over their trauma. Well, that's what life is, right? Some people are, some people don't understand why, um, why we go through those things in our lives. And, um, they just, they just take it and they let those things dictate their existence. Yeah. But I, I guess maybe the way to rephrase it is, I don't know that many people who have gotten over their drama, their trauma. They don't want to. I don't know if they they don't want to. I think with Either. some of them, yes, but some of them just don't know how to. Right, they don't know how to. Well, some people will go through trauma and they'll learn from it. Yeah. Other people will go through trauma and they'll go back to it over and over again and say, "Well, this is the why. This is why I'm the way that I am, and people have to accept me for it." And they don't want to. Um, they either don't know how to to get over it or to move past it, or they don't want to get over it or move past it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so sad to see women and men in their 60s, and they're still complaining about the same thing over and over again. Yep. And why um, why they feel like they've been um, uh, they've been ripped off or whatever, and it's like, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, you know, it's it's all about attitude, I think. What part of it is is attitude. And if you don't change 
if they're not willing to change their attitudes, they're never going to go forward in life. Yeah, but I think most people, the more I meet people, the more I think most people haven't gotten over their trauma. I don't know if it's most people. I think, I think it's it a, is. I think it's a mixed bag. I think it is, and I think it's by a large majority, too. I don't think it's by a large majority. Oh, I think so. Yeah, but you meet weird people, though. <laughs> you know weird people. I do. I I meet... I've met a mixed bag of people. There are people that continue continue to be bitter and angry about stuff. And maybe there's some reason for that, but they they don't want to move past it. Yeah. And they don't want to get help with it. Yeah. And they just want to wallow in their self-pity. And then I meet people that have gone through things and they're all the more wiser for it. I think it's a mixed bag. I don't I, think everybody I meet is going to be like the biggest victim in the world. No, I, I hear what you're saying. And yes, it is a mixed bag. But the people who you meet who have really gotten over their trauma, I think are in the minority. I don't believe that. Uh, I, I I don't believe that at all. I think this is where we disagree. No, I, I, think, I, I think maybe it's the people that you've seen. Either it's the people that you seem to attract or you're not looking very hard <laughs> oh my goodness it's your fault Bob. no i never said that i'm just <laughs> saying you you have to admit though you do in some ways meet really weird people yeah and this is a conundrum that i've dealt with for a long time in you want to contribute to society and as a blind person there are a lot of doors that are closed off to you mm-hmm. Something that people have said to me in the past, more than one, is, Rick, you would make a great therapist or a great life coach. You have some of these skills naturally that some people who spend years and even decades working on this stuff don't have. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that's true for whatever reason. I do have some skills that are unique to me that other people have trouble developing that help me communicating with others when I'm talking with them on a one-on-one level. And I think you would agree with that. It's not just hyperbole. But where we get into the problem is, well, you could say, well, maybe I should become a life coach or maybe I should become a therapist or a teacher or whatnot. Mm -hmm. The problem is people who have issues who I'm good at communicating with drive me crazy. I understand. Yeah. You really have to have the patience for it. If I contributed to society in that way, I'd probably end up killing myself (laughs) within like two years. (laughs) No, but I I mean for me I've I've met a a mixed bag of people. I don't think it's the majority. I don't think that people that that have been able to move forward forward are in the minority. I think it's all about attitude change and I and some people are not willing to change their attitude about things and they're not willing to open themselves up to people. I hear what you're saying and some of what you said I think unintentionally sounds kind of new age because a lot of people in that movement Uh would say it's about attitude change. And I'm not saying that you're wrong. Yeah. But, and this is maybe a fault of me, when I think of like the self-help movement, I've met a lot of people in that world who are very, very depressed and who are pretending to do the work. But... but below the surface, you can tell that they're about ready to collapse in pain. But it's more than just attitude change, right? Attitude mm-hmm. change is part of it, but I think it's a heart problem. 
Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. You know, and, I know I'm not trying to sound new agey because I'm not, I'm not into the new age stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, I think it's true. It's, it isn't just a, an attitude change, but it's also a heart and a spirit problem. Because yeah. if their spirit's been broken, then they're going to be breaking other people's spirits. Yeah, and I do like a lot of that self help stuff. And I'm not where again. I'm not trying to be. Yeah, yeah. Helpish. Where it loses me is where people think that like one audio tape will change their life around forever. Or if you read this guide, yeah, it's gonna that will change your life. All forever. the difference. And what people don't realize is, it's one thing if you go into the self help world or section of your bookstore or audiobook store or YouTube pages and say to yourself, okay, this will help me right now. Instead of saying, if I follow Tony Robbins or Teal Swan and read three books by them, my life is going to be better forever. Like, look at it as a tool instead of looking at it as a thing that's going to save you. I know. Or, or, or books that say things like, you're a superstar. Look within. Yeah. You can, you can, um, what is it? Like, I'm trying to remember what, what I heard, um. You know, be your best self. Yeah. You know, and, and I think a lot of it, people people are so self-focused in our society. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer about giving of your, thinking about, I mean, yes, you should like yourself to some degree, love yourself to some degree, but there are other people that need, um, that need to be, um, to be helped as well. It's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. There is truth to you do have to take care of yourself before you can help others. But at some point, you can't just take care of yourself all the time. Right. And right. I think that and I feel that if I do help somebody and and more more than um, not, when I do help somebody, it does it does fulfill me. Mm. Even if it's something as small as helping somebody with Braille. Yeah. Because I have that skill. Um, I can help somebody in their learning of Braille or, you know, what, you know, even with reading what it says, you know, to somebody. Yeah. That is fulfilling to me. So I think where a lot of my trauma comes from is... I feel very unrecognized, right? Mm -hmm. When I do something good. Mm -hmm. Like I feel with some justification, times when I've helped other people out, they'll either give credit to somebody else or themselves, or they'll completely take advantage of the fact that that I help them and just like try to lean on me consistently. Mm -hmm. And... That's happened in every aspect of my life, whether it's uh, romantic, not with you, but before, with romantic relationships, with friendships, with business partners, uh, we're trying to collaborate with people on artistic endeavors. And with family, it's happened a lot, where I'll say something about a relative and I'll be marked as the bad person. And then years later, it'll be like, I'm right, but you still want to say, we're sorry, you were right about this all along. It'll just be like, okay, this person turned out to be this way and I had no clue even though I had said something and got scalded for it. So 
that's where a lot of my trauma comes from. I feel like if I'm truthful, it kind of worked has worked against me in the past. So in other words, there are people that you know that are takers. Yeah. And it, and they just take, take, take until you're exhausted. Yeah. So it's it's the things that we're told to do in our society, tell the truth and be healthful, have things that when I've done them, it's really come back to bite me in the ass in the past on a lot of different levels, not just like in one area of my life. So that that's something that's messed with my head a lot. I don't think it's you, though. I think it's the person, um, the people that have done this, because I personally think that anyone that is a taker, there's something morally wrong with um, there's something wrong with their morals. Right. But then you have to look at it. If it's happened in so many areas of my life over so many decades then it says something about me being able to be open with people because I just keep attracting those type of people into my life. Now, obviously, and this is something that we haven't even really talked a lot. Maybe we have to some extent off of this, but I have a lot of unresolved anger towards family and mainly my dad's side. Let's be specific. My mom's side, they have their issues, but they're good people. But I grew up more around my dad's side of the family. And a lot of it has to do with, I. there was not a lot of trust there. And that's where these behaviors were learned, meaning uh, trying to help people and trying to be truthful with people who didn't respect that and who took advantage of that. So that's where these lessons were learned, but these lessons are still ingrained in me. Like the ability to attract people who aren't going to appreciate what I bring to the table. And so how do I deal with that going forward? Because I, I've, I've got to let people in. I've got to be helpful. I've got to be truthful. But if I'm taught to be that way to people who are not going to respect it, then all it's going to do is create this negative feedback loop once it's done. How do I break that negative feedback loop? And that's well, a struggle. It's not. We're not going to figure it out today. Well, maybe, I mean, I have a good friend that, um, and I think I mentioned this here, but he has told me stories about where he has, um, has gotten into situations where, uh, people just wanted to be friends with him for money or people wanted to date him and, uh, use him for money yeah. whatever. And, um, he he meets these people like I remember he told me about a relationship he he got into where he met some girl at a bar and you're you're not gonna get some very um deep people at bars. I don't know if I can I I hear and what you're saying generally speaking. Generally speaking, you're not gonna meet the best people at bars. Yeah. Um, but he seems to get into these in, in situations whether it's romantic or what have you. Where he meets the same people that want to take, 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 take. And he keeps on doing it. Like, over and over again. At least it seems like there's, like, a pattern here. Yeah. I think that... And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not any of those things. But I'm wondering if they're... Like, you have to figure out what the pattern is. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Morning Pages kind of helps with. And I've been... I go back and forth with morning pages, but it's time to get back into them like really seriously for a while because I do find myself sorting issues like these out. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of and 
stuff there. You know, and I guess for me, um, it isn't that people were taking from me necessarily. It's just that whenever I've given an opinion in my family, um, it's not taken seriously or they think that they know it all or, um, or because I'm a blind person, they think that I can't make my own decisions. Yeah. It feels that way anyway. And it's, and, um, um, my thing is, you know, advocate, ad advocating, um, having the ability to advocate for myself and being assertive kind of seem to coincide with each other. And I feel like as I get older, um, I'm making up for lost time. Nice. And I feel like in some ways I'm, I've, I'm actually being heard more now outside of my home than I, I have been. See, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it, we're a little bit different in some ways. I feel not necessarily that I'm being heard more, but oh, <laughs> I like it as soon as I start to talk about this. No, it's it's. I don't think I have to. You have to worry about that. Okay, uh, I've realized that maybe the answer isn't being heard more, but I that doesn't mean that I know what the answer is, or maybe the answer is find people who can hear me more. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those things that with the both of us individually, yeah, it's going to be a lifelong learning process, just like... Um, it is with everybody. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a lifelong learning process. I don't know that we'll com- come to grips completely, but I think we're learning about ourselves as it, as time goes on and, and how to deal with it better. Um, but it's going to be a, a lifelong educational process for the both of us absolutely babes and not only are we going to be lifelong learners but we're also going to be lifelong teachers lifelong educators in some ways yeah i think i hear you for sure for sure and uh, there may be some people in our lives that will never understand that it's hard it's hard um I don't think, I think that there are people that will just never change the way that they feel. And it's, it's sort of weird. So like, maybe we look at it in some ways, like, and this is a thought exercise, like they're the victims. So like our relatives who don't take us, take what we say for granted, right? Maybe we look at it like, well, we're providing them an opportunity to learn. They're just not taking it. Oh, you mean, are you talking about they're not taking it seriously, right? Yeah. So we kind of already talked about this, but I feel in my family, kind of similar to you, my ideas are either ignored or hated until somebody else in the family says them. And then they're taken as gospel truth, Uh, uh except they're taken as gospel truth that somebody else came up with and not me. Right. And that drives, that used to drive me crazy. But maybe the, what I should realize is, okay, I'm not there to teach anybody. Mm-hmm. I This is why I don't talk to my family on my dad's side, really. So just continue not talking to them and let them figure it out. You you try to be a teacher. You try to say your piece. And if they didn't want to learn, then they didn't want to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you, you know, if it's that toxic, you can't talk to them 
for however long it is or maybe for the rest of your life and it's sad it, yeah. it, it is sad to hear that but sometimes you you can't it's so unhealthy um to have people like that in your life but we're we're saying family but we could also replace it again with friendships with business relationships whether it's the blind cafe whether it's you know other organizations right i mean yeah there were you know the i think i really only cut out to like seriously cut out to friends at one time in my life wow yeah um it's not the same as not uh contacting something contacting somebody in a while because you know life life gets in the way but no i'm talking about like seriously cutting somebody out no i know what you mean i only i don't i think i i think i only really cut out two or three people i've cut out a lot of people in my life and I, I feel really justified with it, too. Like, it's not one of those things to where I look back on it years later and I feel, oh, I made a horrible mistake. In most cases, I still feel like I did the right thing. Mm. Yeah. We we went deep, babes. I know. Yeah. But it's good, though. It's, it's good to talk these things out. Um, uh, do you feel a little bit better? I feel a little bit better. I do want to get back to something I said when we we're getting into the self-help, self-help thing. And I mentioned Tony Robbins and Teal Swan. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about Tony Robbins. I don't think he's all good, but he has said a lot of stuff that I do think is genuine. Teal Swan, as we know, I have some more serious feelings about. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But I do, I don't agree with everything Tony Robbins said, says, and I think a lot of it is very simplistic, but he does give good advice. I do like some of what he says, and I do think that he's, Add some benefit to people's existence. What would you say would be one of the pieces of advice that you thought was good? Well, yeah, that's going to sound super new agey. It already does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, I kind of like what he says about doing checklists and checking in at the end of your week about what you've accomplished. And that's something he talked about. I'm sure he's talked about it before this. But I first heard about it when I read or listened to his program called On Getting the Edge uh-huh. back in 2015. I've heard other people say, but it, it crystallized with me more when he talked about, let's do a weekly review of your goals. Mm-hmm. And that's like a super simple thing. But sometimes people need to hear super simple stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I, I that's one thing that I think was really good. I also really liked... And I know I showed it to you when he talked about the dude who came to his family when he was 11 and it looked like he wasn't going to have a Thanksgiving. Yeah. And yeah. he said that the message he took away from that was there are some strangers who care. Well, I do remember when he was delivering it to the the lady because I think there was a clip of it, right? Yeah. And um, she was so happy she, you know, she was so she was crying. There, there's she, a clip of him talking about it. Well, I thought, I thought, I thought she, I thought she, um, there was a clip of it. No, there's the clip you're thinking of that is him describing it, but he didn't actually show it because that was done when he was a teenager. Oh, 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 I okay, um, but he was explaining to it and uh, explaining about it, and um, he said that lady was so happy because you don't know what she was thinking about during her day when she was getting her family ready for the day, right? Yeah. And he comes to the door with food that they probably didn't think that they they were going to have. 
and she's crying and she's, you know, kissing him and hugging him and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, you know, and he's, he's saying, no, 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 this is, this is a gift from God. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, and I thought, oh, wow. Um, that is a really good story. Here's, I love that story. Mm-hmm. And here's where some cynicism comes in or mm-hmm. some ableism. Not from Tony Robbins necessarily, because I don't think he looks a bit like this. Mm-hmm. So I heard the story back in around 2015, mm-hmm. because that's when I started to get into Tony Robbins. Um, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I should really do something like that. That would be nice to buy food for a family for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I'm not rolling in it, but uh, there's probably a way I could figure out to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about logistics. I can't drive a car, mm-hmm. so I probably have to get help with that. I probably also have to get help buying the actual food, not financing it, but going to the store and, and actually getting buying it. it yeah. yeah. And okay. So I get help with those two things. Um, I have a couple sided friends who live in the city. This was back in 2015. So maybe I can make that happen. And I'd have to, you know, talk them into it. But I, 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 I'm good with that type of stuff. I could probably do it. And then I started to think, okay, we go to deliver the food. I'm a blind guy. What if I get some weird response? Like, we don't take food from blind people. Mm-hmm. Which... A a sighted person listening to this might think that's insane. As a blind person, I I think most blind people hearing something like that would totally get what I'm saying. And then it becomes this, like, negative thing. You know what I mean? So, like, all these different steps I'm thinking about, this is something to where disability kind of reduces the likelihood of me ever doing something like that. Well, I guess you'd have to develop a plan of action, right? Yeah. And it is it is hard if you number one have to figure out how much food to buy, mm-hmm. how how big the family is. Number two, how are you going to deliver this food? Yep. Uh number three, um, if you're able to have, you know, and which which people would you take with you? You know, it's, it's like how would you deliver it? How much to buy? Exactly. You know, how how is this going to be pulled off? Yeah. And like Tony Robbins was saying, it's like, you could donate to my organization, but you should actually do this for yourself because you'd get a lot of joy out of it. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't want to do it, maybe I could come up with some money and get one of my sighted friends to do it. But then I'm not getting the benefit out of, you know, seeing everybody's joy. Yeah. And there are two schools of thought on this. There are actually three. The first one would be, okay, Rick, does man up and figure out a way to do this particular thing? Mm-hmm. But that seems more un- unrealistic now than it did in 2015 because of the pandemic. A lot of my sighted friends have moved, all that stuff. But I-, I could probably still work hard and figure out a way to do that. So that's one school of thought. The other school of thought is... All right, I guess you're not doing it. Wow, that's just another missed opportunity that you can't have because you're a person with a disability. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that suck that you're left out on this thing? Oh, poor me. Mm-hmm. Now, a third way of looking at this would be, okay, you can't 
it's unrealistic for you to do this. I almost said you can't, but it, let's use the term unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic for you to do this or the work that you would have to put into it as opposed to somebody with like Tony Robbins mm-hmm. is so much that it might outweigh the benefits. Mm-hmm. But you could look at that story Rick or any other blind or disabled person out there, like this is a starting off point. So I can't deliver food to a family in need for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. But maybe I could look at it like, this reminds me that there are things people can do that give you those similar benefits. So why don't I try to come up with a plan if it's not delivering a Thanksgiving meal, maybe there's something else that I can do for other people. And mm-hmm. this is just a reminder that people do other things for other people. And now that I know, and now that I was inspired to want to do that and realize the logistics involving it are complicated to pull off as a blind person, start asking myself, well, what could I do as a blind person? Yeah, because you wouldn't have to deliver the food even though it sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah, it sounds like, but you wouldn't have to do a Thanksgiving thing. Like maybe your way of contributing back is finding somebody who is not only poor, but also just starting to lose their vision Mm -hmm. and showing them how to navigate those roads. Mm -hmm. Or... You know, it's something else. That's just the first thing that comes to my mind. But there are other things you can do. And this is just a reminder that you can do those things. And this is good motivation to try to figure out what those other things are. Or like if you wanted to do a food thing. Yeah. You could do something as simple as baking them cookies and um, mailing them to their, uh, to where they live. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, making them uh, a pack of, um, and a pack of, um, um, giving them a bag of fudge right um you know mailing it to their house and saying hey this is just a present for me i thought you might like these so but i hear what you're saying part of the tony robbins video that really resonated with me and i think with you too and i think is also why he said it in there and i'm gonna repeat myself but it goes back to him saying why the charity that does this and you could donate to my charity but i actually recommend that you do it yourself because uh-huh. you get the joy out of seeing people. Mm-hmm. If you mail somebody something like that, you're not going to get the joy of them seeing them want to eat it. And also some people might be freaked out to get something in the mail. But I hear what you're saying. But this is why we brainstorm of what or, would be a good way to Or like even, that. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was helping a, a woman uh, from Ethiopia. And I think she... I don't remember how she went blind. I think she used to see before. Yeah. Helping her with um, some basic jaw stuff. Even something as little as helping somebody with um, that needs some basic computer skills. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paid for it, but it was something that I, I did for a, a brief time. Or, uh, you know, reading to somebody. Yeah, see? This is good stuff to think about. Or, you know, oh, you know. Cooking with somebody in their kitchen. Exactly. You know, uh, something something as simple as that. Or even just helping somebody that's losing their vision and is learning Braille and helping helping them with their basic Braille skills. So there are ways that we can contribute. Absolutely. Well. Nice. Absolutely. Well, good. Yeah. Absolutely. We covered a lot so far today, babes. Yes, we have. Yes. 
Let's talk about Adam Ragosia mm-hmm. and pasta. And pasta. Yes. I'm an Adam Ragusia fan. I'm apparently, Ragusia. I'm not that big of a fan. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. I think it's Ragusia, but I'm not sure. It's, been, a, it's an Italian name. Yeah, I've been getting into his stuff over the last maybe six months to a year. And I saw a video earlier this week where he's like, uh, you know, you don't actually need to boil pasta if you're baking it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that sounds interesting. But yeah. it goes against, because I've thought about that before, but yeah. it goes against so many things I think of traditional. Yeah, I know. So that's why I sent you the video. I'm like, I think this might work. And he's well, a smart guy, but I'm not 100% sure. I personally, okay, so I personally think it turned out really good. Yeah. Um, We just had to bake it a little bit more. And he did say in the video, so he made a video and he said it does taste a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And we had an issue because I was trying to fill it up with water because that that's what he said is you have to put in more water to cover everything. And you have to put in salt. And when I tried to put our baking sheets or baking pan into your oven, some of the water kind of spilled out. It did, yeah. I think it came out really good. It took a little bit longer to bake. I I think it turned out really good, actually. Yeah, it tasted more like a casserole than like a traditional pasta dish. But it was good. And I saw um, Laura Vitale's video where she called it, um, she calls it cheesy baked spaghetti, but in the, the label said... It was a spaghetti casserole. I love Laura Vitale's recipe mm-hmm. for cheesy baked spaghetti. That's why I wanted to do it last time. But the Adam Ragosia trick. Yeah. Because the main issue I have with Laura's recipe is it's so good, but it's so messy. Yeah. Um. So here's what I'm thinking. In mm-hmm. the future, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that uh, recipe or a version of it this week. But I'm going to try to make a little bit smaller portion so I can fit everything a little bit nicer into my baking yeah, vessel. Yeah, I think, yeah, and, because we used, because we used like two boxes of pasta. Yeah, but you also had like a really big. I Lasagna pan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to put tin foil over it. Okay. And the reason I did that this time was because I didn't want it to spill over. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put it on like a a baking sheet Mm -hmm. covered in parchment paper. So if anything does boil over, it'll boil over on parchment paper. Instead of tinfoil. Well, it wasn't going to boil over on tinfoil. I could use tinfoil, but the parchment paper says I'd have more of it. But tinfoil would work too. Yeah. And see how that works. Because I think... Having it exposed would help it, help it cook a little bit better at the top. So Interesting. Okay. That's what I'm going to try. Okay. And we'll see what happens. But it did turn out good. It was, it it was, was delicious. pasta casserole, I, I guess you would call it. Yeah, and I um, I, I have uh, uh, some leftovers, so I'll be eating that during the week. Yeah, I would be down to doing that again. Yes. Yes. Um, maybe we could uh, – maybe if, if, if we decide we could even cook it in my um, – my new would imp- not new would improve um the loaf pan you gave me that's possible babes yes which i didn't even think about it until uh after we ate it that's <laughs> white yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> babes yeah we watched a couple movies last night we did started off with Ro- war of the roses it's actually the war of the roses the war of the roses, of the roses. Directed by Daniel DeVito. Danny DeVito. 
Uh, starring Michael Douglas and Kathleen, Kathleen Turner. Turner. You want me to give a brief overview? I will. I will. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So, this is the first time I'm watching the movie. I've heard good things about it, and I've also heard about the famous um, chandelier scene. Yeah, but, I've seen it before, but it was back in the 90s. But not in detail. I I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I know that somebody gets caught up in the chandelier. I didn't realize it was two of them. Anyway, so um, the War of the Roses. Um, Danny, DeVito, Danny DeVito is telling a story uh, from a lawyer's perspective because he's a divorce lawyer. And he's saying, I should not have gotten involved with this family because look what happened and I'll tell you the story. And and is he talking to a client? That's the impression I got. Okay. So, uh, and he talks a little bit about Barbara Rose, who's played by Kathleen Turner. She's a really attractive blonde woman and tries to, you know, come on to the lawyer. This is how you know this movie is old. Yeah. Because she was really attractive. <laughs> now she, she's an old lady. <laughs> anyway. It's almost a silent film. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. Go ahead. It was in 1989. Yeah, I know. I'm joking. Anyway, he was talking about how they met and how they had this incredible sex life. Blah, blah, blah. Get married. Have kids. He gets really um, a lucrative uh, career. I forgot what he was doing. He's, was a, he's a, a, liar, a, a lawyer. So a lawyer, Danny yeah. DeVito is his divorce attorney, but Danny DeVito and him are also friends who work together. Right. And Yeah. Okay. In the law firm. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So he is, you know, living in an apartment with her and their twins. They have a boy and a girl trying to provide for them. And he seems like um, a guy that really wants to be a good family man and a good provider. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, um, she wants to start her own uh, business delivering uh, liver pate, which I did try. Uh, I It was, you know, I, I didn't know actually if it was liver pate, but it was pate. And by now, they have left the apartment and moved into this fat crib that she has tricked out. What? Yeah, basically, she did the house herself. Yeah. She, she, Remodeled. She, brought, she remodeled it. Anyway. Um, so she was proud of that. She wanted to have a liver pate delivering business, which he, he thought was kind of strange. I think it was more like a, a food delivery business, but she started out with, with pate. liver pate. Right? And, and I like that scene where it's like, you sold liver to our neighbors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. But you could tell during the course of their marriage that they started to kind of drift apart because he was working a lot. She was at home trying to figure out what to do, taking care of the kids. Um, and, uh, you know, she wanted to kind of start on her own and uh, have her own money. But after a while, she somehow got tired of her husband and she wanted to make his life miserable. And he, uh, name some of the things that she would do. Well, I mean, the thing that comes to my mind is when she thought he was having a heart attack, she decided not to go to the hospital. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, but he was having um, a hernia. But she didn't know that and at the time. She didn't know that. She knew that he was going to be okay, but she didn't know if it was a heart attack or not. And so she, she just decided that she wasn't going to go. And 
Like a day later, she springs it on him. Like, I want a divorce. She yep. wanted to keep the house. I could go into some of the crazy stuff she did. Oh, I could. I, well, okay. So, but, or you could. Yeah. Uh, so she, they were talking about this and he, he notices that something is really wrong. Like she never went to the hospital. She's like, you know, I could have died. Mm-hmm. I could have died. Why did you not pick me up? And she's like, well, I, you know, I just heard that it was not that big a deal. And it just didn't, she, she seemed very disconnected from yeah. the whole situation. And the only reason that she gave him was, well, every time you eat and every time you sleep and all this stuff, I get, I feel like I want to smash your face in. Imagine if Teal Swan had married Michael Douglas. Yeah, that's how she would be. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. She seems like a person that would be very hard to live with. Though. Allegedly, she does. Right. Let's keep going. But Michael Douglas is, you know, Michael Douglas is thinking... His name was Oliver Rose. Yep. He's thinking, but, you know, I I don't like how she's turning out to be, but I still love this house and I love her and I don't, you know, I don't want this to end just yet. Now, the kids are... Um, like college age. They're, they're going off to college. Yeah. They, they haven't graduated yet and they're going off to college and they're... Um, there was one scene... This is before the college thing that really uh, thought, oh, this lady's crazy. The um, They were putting the tree up. And um, <clears throat> it was not that long. <coughs> excuse me. Not that long after where the tree starts catching on fire. And I had a feeling that I think she may have done something to the lights. Yeah, because she doesn't want to put them up, so she gets Michael Douglas to, and then the fire starts. So the implication is she set him up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they they almost lost their house. Um, I thought they were going to, but they lost a tree. Oh. <clears throat> so that was another thing, and then, uh, uh, you know, she convinces him that the pate that she made was from uh their dog yeah and she gets upset and and she she let's see what else is uh what else we don't um, we don't have to give everything yeah we don't have to give everything away but some of it was quite comical actually yeah um she almost runs him over <laughs> he almost pees in the fish that she made <laughs> um you know stuff like that yeah um no that was kind of funny um but it all comes to a head because, and Susan is their German, uh, she was the German maid. And she calls, um, I forgot what his name is, the guy who plays, uh, the, the, Danny DeVito. Danny right? DeVito. I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember what his lawyer's okay. name is. Anyway, she calls him and says, you know, something's going on in that house. I don't like it. I think you should come over. And they're fighting, and they they broke China and all this other stuff. And then they end up, she ends up hanging from the sh- chandelier. He's trying to hook her to the chandelier. but He's some, trying to save her. He's trying to, I'm sorry, he's trying to save her from the chandelier. But he gets caught in it. I don't think he should have saved her, but yeah, just me. I would just let her die. Mm-hmm. Because if she, you know, I, I, my, my thing is, well, if, if she uh, wants to kill me, then maybe I should help. And he would have gotten to keep the house and no alimony. Right. 
Well, he gets caught in the chandelier, and they're sitting up there, and uh, they're trying to get the lawyer to help them and, and get a ladder and, and help them get down because they can see them from outside. And then the nut um, and the bolt are slowly coming apart. In the sand of the lair, it falls and they die. Yep, both yep. of them. I remember that uh, Danny DeVito got a lot of flack for this ending because it didn't end on a positive note, and he was the director of it. And he, I, I shouldn't say I remember. I mean, I remember watching YouTube videos where he's defending the ending of the movie. Wow. I don't think you can make this movie today. No. Or if you did, it would have to have a happy ending. Like, they couldn't die that way. Right. You know, they'd have to, like, they Disney-fy it like they do with everything else that we see in film. They, they'd have to have a happy ending, and and the husband would have to, we'd have to see how bad he was to, you know. I would have wanted it to end with with um, them getting a divorce. And- I See, I like that they died in the movie. You did? Yeah. Because it was so dramatic? Because you normally don't see that in film. Yeah. I, I kind of am thinking, I wonder yeah. how they were able to um, make it look like they were in the, um, they were caught up in the chandelier. Oh, they they have stuff for that, babes. But yeah, I know. I also really like it because in a way this is like an end to kind of like a spiritual trilogy that the three of them were involved in. Yeah. Right? We have Romancing the Stone, the couple meet, and they fall in love. Jewel of the Nile is, you know, different characters, I think, but they're still together. Yeah. And we had the War of the Roses, the end. <laughs> and and I like that. Ending. And it's not a real trilogy because I think they're different characters in each of the movies, but it's it spiritually feels like it. And I like the way that they kind of end this spiritual trilogy with our, our love interests dying. I thought that was cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Actually, is Jewel of the Nile a technical sequel to War the, uh, to um, Romancing, the, Romancing Stone? the Stone? I'm not sure. I don't I think don't it is. But I haven't seen Jewel of the Nile since, like, the mid-90s. So don't quote me on that. And it is a um, – <clears throat> they're still in it together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All three of them are in it. And I think Bob Zemeckis directed that one, too. I know he did uh, Romancing the Stone, but he was not a part of uh, War of the Roses. Okay. Bobby Z. Bobby Z. J-Lo. Yes. Did you learn anything about the evils of capitalism by watching this movie? Uh, No. I learned about how crazy uh, Barbara Rose was. I would give you that, but the reason they die is because they're obsessed with the house Mm -hmm. and they're not poor. So both of them could sell the house and walk away and be fine. But because they're obsessed with this possession, they end up dying. I don't think it has anything to do with capitalism. I think it has everything to do with um, just the house because that's what was really keeping them apart. Right. Well, it was what was keeping them together. It was greed. It was greed, um, more than anything. And, um, and they had all these things, right. They had Mm -hmm. all these things because, 
you know, the, the, the husband was providing and wanted them to have what they wanted and they were indulgent. They were in, they were kind of an indulgent couple. If they you were. Think about it, right? Yep. She was indulging the kids in sweets and they got overweight. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. So, I mean, it really wasn't the capitalism stuff. I think it was greed and indulgence. Well, but that is capitalism. That's a lot of capitalism. Is Parts of it is, but I don't think all capitalism is evil. I think capitalism with a lot of checks and balances isn't necessarily evil. But I do think that this film says some interesting stuff about it that I wasn't expecting. Because... You got to remember the last time I saw it, I was maybe 14 or 15. So I wasn't really thinking about <laughs> the capitalist system like I am today. So rewatching it again, that really stuck out to me. Is in some way this film is an indictment on capitalism. I don't, I don't believe that. Mm. I see it differently. I think it's um, greed and selfishness um, because Barbara is a very selfish person. Right. You know, she wasn't thinking about, well, he's a good provider. He's really a good husband. I'm just annoyed with him. I want to, you know, I want to kill him. I want, I want, it was more to me, it, it really said a lot about selfishness. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Not so much about capitalism, but all about selfishness. Oh. I want the house. I want the kids. I want this beautiful chandelier. Yeah, and see, in my mind, it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? It's like, what came first, selfishness or capitalism? It was selfishness. Yeah. I, I tend to agree, but I don't know for that for sure. I mean, I, I think you can make the argument that selfish, that capitalism rose out of selfishness, but capitalism oftentimes will lead to selfishness. I don't believe that either. Mm. No, I don't believe it either. Um, you can say that parts of capitalism might like if it if you're talking about corporate greed because yeah. there is corporate greed, but with if it's someone that wants to make their own money and be successful, I don't think it's selfish. I don't think it's necessarily selfish, but I think you get into this movie where it becomes that. I think it only becomes selfish if the person wants is 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 power hungry. Um, right, but when you look at big corporations. I usually think to myself that the people who are running them are selfish and are power hungry. Yeah, but I mean, capitalism itself doesn't have to be about greed if you handle it better is what I'm trying to say. I hear what you're saying, I th but I do think that most of the time, or a lot of the times it leads to that. I don't, so. I don't believe that at all. Okay. Well, we don't have to believe And that. also, um, I th this couple, you have to admit, this couple was a very selfish couple when they met each other. Yes. You know, they were a selfish couple. Mm -hmm. um, and it ended selfish because it it ended selfish, not selfishly, but it, it ended the way it did because both of them didn't, didn't want to change their attitudes. Uh oh. Um, they didn't want to work at it. Well, maybe Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas did. Okay, Michael Douglas wanted to work at it, but he didn't understand why his wife was so crazy. Yeah. And it kind of seemed like the kids were kind of left in the dark about a lot of things. Yeah. And the kids really in this movie are meant to be seen, but not heard. Exactly. Yeah. They're seen, but not heard. Um, but they, they were selfish and self-indulgent. I mean, what about the, <laughs> when, when the, when Michael Douglas's character, Oliver was saying, Hey, you shouldn't be giving, you know, the kids 
should go to bed now, right? Yeah. No more dessert. (laughs) And then she was saying, yeah, but some people say that if you indulge your kids in sweets and candies a little bit. One of the lines I really liked in the movie. Yeah. Was when Danny DeVito saying, okay, go forward five years and he's working in his business. She's becoming a great housewife. The kids have lost like 80 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. But actually they got overweight and. Well, no, but he's saying that they dropped the weight. They dropped the weight. After they got fat, they dropped it. Yeah, they dropped the weight. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Would you recommend this film to your family? If so, I, I have. A, how? I think maybe one of my. I think maybe they may have watched it already. I don't know. Oh, the War of the Roses was. Um, a lot of people were talking about it. What so. would you give it on a scale from one to ten? Why? Why are I'm you just, laughing? I'm just curious. Um, I would say uh, a seven and a half. Nice. Because I did not like her character. I think she was a nut job. I agree with you. Crazy person. She is crazier than when she was in. Uh, well. She's pretty crazy in Serial Mom. Yeah, those are two very different performances. Different craziness. Yeah. Yes, I mean, Serial Mom is just meant to be completely over the top. But she was, but this this lady was crazy, though. Yes. Especially when that one, that one scene when she when her husband was sleeping and she puts her um her fingers in his nostrils and wakes him up that way. That was great. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, what? And then... And then um, how she almost killed him by uh, wrapping her, her thighs around his um, waist. That was great, too. And he, he's like, let me go, let me go. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were looking at his hernia. It's like, is it possible to get a hernia from um, having somebody um, uh, getting caught in between somebody's thighs like that? And they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good movie there, Jay. Well... <laughs> He was really good in that, oh, yeah. that movie. He's a, Both he's, of them were. He's a good actor. I mean, he strikes me as a, a little bit of a prick, but I do like Michael Douglas. Why is that? Maybe it's just that he's always playing these sleazy, scummy characters. Yeah, he is. And, you know, he was born rich and all that stuff in real life. Oh. I don't know. I but I'd probably get along with him. I don't know. Who knows? I'm never going to meet the man. Probably not. Yes. Most likely we will never meet. I know some of us have, but... Well, my sister, we're not going to go into her story, but she met Kathleen Turner and said that she was a really nice lady. Yeah. Yeah. Even though she played some crazy characters. Yeah, yeah. My sister said that... My sister's met a fair amount of celebrities, and she told me and a couple other people that Kathleen Turner might have been the nicest celebrity she's ever met. Oh, wow. Yeah. But anyway, babes. Yes. So shout out to you, the uh, Tono Kathleen. And now she's an old lady that played uh, uh, Chan Lo's dad in Flynn. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Every episode had a guest star. No, after no, the, no, fir- no, after no, the first season, no, when it begins. No, not every bucket. episode had a okay, guest star. I'm but... sure it didn't. Can I ask you a question then? No. Who did Michael Douglas play on Friends? He wasn't on Friends. Oh. Okay. He was. Okay. Okay, I love you, babes. Um, All right, babes. Moving on. Okay. I have heard about a movie called Crocodile Dundee. And I haven't seen it in years. And I'd never seen it, but I've heard about it since I was a kid. Yeah. And people rave about this movie. Like, it's like one of the best comedies ever made. We watched it. I don't think it 
was that good. I'm going to be honest. Uh, okay. About. Basically, the, the story is that there's a reporter in New York who heard about mm-hmm. this guy who had his leg uh, take it bitten off by an owl, uh, by a crocodile Part and, of the, yeah. mm-hmm. and survived. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Australia to investigate, finds out that the crocodile just took a bite but didn't really hurt the guy too bad. He killed the crocodile and was this real macho man. Mm-hmm. They spend time in Australia and fall in love. So she develops a scheme to get her newspaper to pay for him to come to America. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they get there, they both forget that they were in love. And she starts talking about her no, fiance. No, she forgets. She forgets. She, I mean, sorry. She forgets that, that they're in love with each other. And starts talking about her fiance, Richard, and how great he is. And well, at the time, they weren't engaged okay okay that's right they were just in a long-term relationship and she tells him mind your own business dundee and all this stuff yeah and he approaches hookers fights off pimps and uh she gets engaged he ignores it and tries to hang around new york she goes to train station and they get back together at the end of the movie it was i didn't really like her character yeah because I was very confused. And when I saw this movie, I was about six and I didn't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked, um, I I just thought Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee was pretty cool. Well, I mean, I saw uh, the, it at 40 and I, I didn't quite understand it either. The, the character. So I don't mean, feel too bad. Pubs. Let's go. I wasn't done. All right, go ahead. And your nails hurt. Sorry. So do yours. Go ahead, babes. Babes, tell me about this movie. You better stop it or all they right, will. All right, go ahead. Bubs, right, you better stop it or they right, will. Go ahead, back to the movie. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, I didn't like her character because I was really confused. Um, I thought she had better chemistry with uh, Mick Dundee, as he calls himself. Oh. And I liked that he was a manly man. Um, but I was confused because up until... They go to New York. I didn't hear about Richard. Yep. I didn't hear that she was in a long-term relationship with some guy named Richard who was her editor. And the implication was that they were in love. Right. When they're coming back to New York. Exactly. Why would she kiss, uh, why would she kiss Mick? Yeah. You know, I just thought it was weird. And uh, Mick obviously did not know about Richard. Right. Otherwise, he would not have punched him at the dining oh. room scene. That was kind of funny, actually. Oh, my goodness. Um, You know, and so I can understand. I I can kind of understand his reaction. But, you know, she wasn't really forthcoming with him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I like this movie. I didn't like this movie. Uh I, I chuckled a couple of times. There was some funny stuff in it. But it wasn't like laugh out loud. I'm dying of pain laughing. It's not like the Naked Gun, uh, the two first Naked Gun movies where there's like comedy throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I I can't recommend it. Uh Oh. Oh. What would you give it on a scale from one to ten? I don't think it's the worst movie ever. I think I'd give it like a a week seven. Oh, wow. That's high praise for this. I give it a, well. It's only because it's fun when you're, you know. I, I I liked seeing it when I was a kid, but I vaguely remember it. Yeah. And it's it wasn't a deep movie for me, obviously. And, uh, you know, Crocodile Dundee is a fun character, but yeah. 
It, yeah. it was it was fun watching it when I was a kid. I guess it's, it's, that's I think I think I gave gave it a week seven because of nostalgia. Nice. <laughs> a lot of people do love this movie, but I I don't. So mm-hmm. yes. It's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> we got done with it kind of late too. I was all I almost fell asleep near the end of it, and then I look on my uh my phone and I saw that there was three minutes left, and I'm like, okay, I can make it through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we um. It was after midnight, I think, when we. Ended yeah, it. I was twelve something. We were in the kitchen for a while. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And I was cleaning up and. Yeah. And all that. Babes. Yeah. Did you have any dreams last night? I did not. Neither did I. I did not. I think I did, but I don't remember what it was. We can I tell what happened this morning? Why? Just because for archive reasons. Because I'm archiving, boy. Well, when did this... Oh, was that when my phone went off or something? Yeah. So we were in bed this morning. I had just kind of woken up, and I had heard Alana. She was kind of snoring. <laughs> I was told I was allowed, babe. No, no, no. no I was not told that I was allowed. I thought you were going to talk about the phone. I am, babe. Yes. But, but that's a lead up to it. Babes, I, no. like, I'm detailed, boy. Babes, <laughs> I'm detailed, boy. Okay, let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this then. We were in bed this morning. I had just gotten up and I had heard something that sounded like what? <laughs> hold on, hold on. That sounded like he's <laughs> gotta let me talk. I uh, let me talk. No. I heard something. Why that, did I just say it? Why did I just say it? He heard my phone go off. Well, before then I heard something that uh, that <laughs> Sounded like it was snoring, but I'm 100% sure now <laughs> that it wasn't snoring. Both. Okay, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Tickle truce. <laughs> then we need a kiss. But I'm sure now there's no way it was snoring. Oh my goodness. And then Alana's phone got off, went off, and she woke up. Yes. And we think it was a robocall. Yeah, yes. I didn't recognize the number. It was from an area code that I knew, <clears throat> which spanned a few cities. But I'm surprised, babes, that you keep your phone in your bedroom when you go to sleep. Only be- Now, I do the same thing, mm-hmm. but my phone is different in, in the sense that I can turn the ringer off and it won't even vibrate. Yeah, and I haven't. I I have not figured out how to turn the vibration off either. I guess I, if I guess if I put it on silent, nice. But I have to hear stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, good. Well, babes. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or it sounds like you need a snack. I do. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up. Oh, oh my goodness, babes. Babs. What? Wait up. Wait up. All right. Bye bye for now. Bye bye. Bye bye.